Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for, man, just the opportunity to be in your house and to, to have men come on stage and uh, proclaim your truth about topics that are difficult and uh, topics where the church is being attacked. And thank you that the truth is spoken uh, in love is what, is what we're going to talk about this morning and that uh, is spoken in love. And so I just pray, Father, that you'll speak this morning uh, as there's no need for me to ask you for that. You tell us in your word that when your word's spoken, it doesn't return void. So uh, in spite of me, Lord, uh, you will speak. And uh, we thank you for every person that's here this morning, Lord, that you would just uh, take what's about to be said and help it to affect their lives uh, in a way where they go out and live for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you very much. You can be seated. And so uh, my name is uh, Alan Easterwood, and I have the privilege of being uh, an elder uh, here at the church, and I, I wanted to start out by introducing myself because last week Dale did such an unbelievable job of, of telling you who he was. Um, I don't know if Dale's in here anywhere. I can't, can't this light, you know, can't see, but such a, such a good thing for us to understand who the people standing on this stage are and what they're about, and his testimony of his life was just so, there's things I didn't know, and I've known Dale a long time. It was so unbelievable. It made me, made me love him more. It made me want to listen to what he has to say even more, so I thought that was so good, and so many of you, many of you know me, um, but a lot of you don't, uh, you're like, who's this, who's this bald-headed cat on the stage with a good-looking shirt, and so, uh, what do you think, decent, so, um, and so some of you, some of you don't know who I am, and so um, I grew up in the church, um, I became a Christian when I was a, a young person, uh, but I didn't get serious about following God until I met Jennifer, who's, who's back here in the back, so thank you, honey. Um, who by some miracle agreed, you know, to marry me. She became my wife, um, and we've been married for 29 years. We have, is that right? Or be 30 this year, correct? About 30 in February. It's good. 29 years, and so uh, we have four children, and so we're kind of on the decade plan with kids. We got a, a child that's almost 26 and one who's six, and so uh, and, and you know you know most of them, and uh, some of the things that we're kind of passionate about that um, that I love, that Jennifer loves, our family. Uh, loves our, our teaching and discipling those who are maybe a, you know, a little bit younger than us. Um, our, my Sunday school class, some of you are in here, those, you guys started out being like young, young people. Now you're all old. Uh, and so just love doing that, love teaching and discipling folks um, that are a little bit younger than us. We, we really love caring for vulnerable children um, and orphans. And uh, we've had the privilege of leading some teams to um, Swaziland, that's now called Eswatini. You've probably heard these words from our pulpit. It's a, an orphanage that our church built in Africa. And so we're able to go there. Many of you have been on those trips and, and kind of support, love on those, those children and minister to them. Um, and and two, of our, two of our, uh, children are adopted. And, um, so obviously we continue in that theme. And then, uh, we were able to be, become foster parents about a year ago. And then had a couple of girls that stayed with us about four months. Just an unbelievable uh, experience looks like we might be having a little one, a little baby. Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm old uh, to have a little baby with us coming here in a few in a few weeks, maybe to hang out with us a little bit. And so that's kind of a little bit about who we are. Um, all of those are kind of kind of some decent things that I've managed to get right. Okay, but you should also understand that me and every other person who's standing on this stage, there's there's things that that you need to know about us that aren't good. And so um, you know. I can become angry way too quickly. And there are many times that, in fact, it's the, it's the biggest sin of my life. 
that I've battled for, for years and still battle to this day. So the guy standing before you is not a perfect man by any means. And there are times where I don't love my family well. I don't love each of my children well. I don't love my wife the way that she deserves to be loved. And so I'm not a perfect man. And then, you know, there, there are just many things in my life that aren't, you know, that aren't perfect. And at times I have a tendency to not trust God. So most of us can probably raise our, our hand on that. And so basically, and this is from my class, I'm a reprobate piece of trash, okay, who is saved by grace. Amen? Okay, who is saved by the unbelievable grace of God, which hopefully makes me relatable to all the rest of the reprobate pieces of trash who are sitting out here. Amen? So hopefully that makes me a little bit relatable. And so, so Dale started us off um, last week uh, in Ephesians in chapter 4 where Paul kind of begins to talk about the, the unity of the body. He did, he did such a, a great job, and he ended there in verses 7 and 8, which are some of really the key passages in the, in the uh, New Testament about gifts. And here in those scriptures, Paul says that every believer has received a gift of grace. Okay, when I read that when Dale was preaching, I thought, well, wait a minute. We all get grace. I just talked about it. We're all saved. All of our sins are covered. But the grace that's being talked about there is not actually saving grace. Okay, um, The way some of the commentary I used described it was ministry grace. And so we're, being, we're giving these gifts and this grace to be able to serve and build up the body. Okay, And just think about how generous that God is here. Okay, Verse 8 states that he ascended. I'm going to get to the actual scripture, kind of a little intro here. But verse 8 states that he, as, as he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men. Have you ever stopped and thought about that? The sovereign king of everything, as he's ascending on high to take his throne, is thinking about me and you, and he's stopping. He's going, wait a minute, okay, now i got to give Joey this, and i got to give Katie this, and I've got to make sure they have these, these gifts, and they're equipped to go uh, into the world and, and talk about who I am. And so he gave gifts to men as he's ascending on high. And so today we pick up uh, in verses 11 through 16. If you're able to stand, we're we'll, we'll read the scripture. Um, this is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Amen. You can be, you can be seated. And so we look at those, in those verses in 11 and 12, Paul addresses both leaders in the church and the members, the body of the church. And so we don't want to get it wrong here that we all have the same value before God. He doesn't see me or Cody or anybody else who's leading or standing on the stage any differently than, than he sees the rest of you, okay? We just all have kind of some different roles and some different responsibilities, Okay. Um, and I like to use examples, real real life examples of people who are in the church or maybe even in the room. So I don't know if all these people are here today. And so 
you get embarrassed, I'm sorry, but, you know, I'm the one on the stage, I get to talk, okay? And so, you, you think about Blake Snyder, okay? Blake is a big old lineman, okay, who played football at, at Florida State. I don't know if Blake's in here, but big lineman. You probably don't want Blake, who's down in the trenches, making your passes downfield as a quarterback, amen? Okay? That's not what you want. Okay? You probably want maybe Luke Tucker. I don't know if Luke's in here. He's a big quarterback, can throw it. Different roles, different responsibilities, okay? Or you probably don't want your pitcher, okay, being your number four slot hitter, okay? Most, most pitchers don't what? They don't hit well, okay? People who know baseball, except for this, what's his name, Ohanti? Okay, this Otani kid, you know, he's unbelievable. So everybody kind of has a different role, and it's that same way in the church, okay? We need folks playing different positions for us to really have a a good team. And so, as the scripture's talking about here, some folks are gifted in, in going out like the apostles did, or discerning God's word for people like, like prophets, or they're gifted as an evangelist, proclaiming the gospel in parentheses there. All of us are evangelists, okay? We're, we're all called to proclaim the gospel, but some are, you know, a little bit more gifted at, at doing that, um, proclaiming the gospel. And so, or maybe you're gifted as a shepherd, okay? You're to, to shepherd God's people and to love on folks, or maybe you're able to teach. And so it's clear that God over history has just given us all kinds of people who are just talented at proclaiming the word. I mean, you can just read this book from the beginning to the end, and they're all in there, and you've heard, heard from many of them. And so listen to what actually the, the word says about, about these folks. This is in Hebrews 13, 7. This should be sobering for anybody who is in one of those gifting categories. Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, comma, imitate their faith. Wow, are you, are you, are you listening to this? If you're in this category, remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. And so think about it. Think, think about how blessed we are at Iron City to actually have leaders across the board who you can look at their life, what they say up here they mean, they, they live it out, and that you could actually go and imitate their faith. That's unbelievable. It doesn't, it doesn't happen a lot. There's a lot of churches that that's not the case. Are these guys perfect? No. Okay, but we can look at their lives. We can imitate. I have stood right here, okay, right here on this stage before the beginning of, of, of church before, and I have wrapped my arms around my pastor, and I have prayed over him, and I have looked him in the eyes, and, I, and we should all be doing this, and I have said, thank you for the hours that you spend preparing to teach me the word of God, Right? I, I need that, everybody, I, I need that. I need someone who's poured their life in, into teaching me about who God is and how to follow him. And so I just prayed over and I said, thank you for doing that. Thank you for living a life that I can actually look at. Thank you for being somebody who can, I can actually imitate, okay? And so, and, and then praising God that I can actually observe your life. And, and, and not just Cody, all, all the men and women in this church who are, who are leaders are just folks that you can do that with. And so there is a quote that's sometimes used by, by pastors, and this is maybe sound a little bit confusing at times, but I've heard this said by pastors before. The day I entered ministry is the day I resigned from ministry. Does that make sense? The day I entered ministry is the day I resigned. So in other words, I'm the guy that's up here. My job is to get up here and preach and teach and tell you guys how to go do it, and then you need to go do it, Right? So I get to resign and sit back and watch everybody else do it. And so I just want to say to you that if you've, if you've got people that I got in your life or leaders whose sleeves are not rolled up, that's one of the things we like to say, don't follow those people. 
Okay, don't follow them. So this is a big problem in the church. If our, if our leaders and the guys and gals who are teaching us and leading us and telling us how to, how to go about doing this thing don't have their sleeves rolled up and they're not there in the fight with us, don't follow them. We don't need a bunch of professional, you know, puffed up Christians who've elevated themselves above everyone else and they just sit back and watch. And unfortunately, we've had some difficulty with that even in our own convention recently. Okay, and we, our pastor, we sent... You know, to the convention recently because all the difficulty of the things that were going on there with the sex scandal and praise God, things went the way that we wanted them to go as far as moving folks out and people coming in who you can actually watch and emulate their lives. And so their teaching should strengthen us. It should strengthen us and encourage us. And as Paul says in the next in, in verse 12 here, it should equip all the saints. Who's that? If you're, if you're a believer in Christ and you're in this room, you are in that category. So what I'm saying and what the guys leading on this stage are saying should be equipping us to go and do what God's called us to do, which is the work of the ministry, okay? So you're sitting here and you're saying, hey, thanks, Alan, great, but I'm not, I'm not an apostle, okay? By no means am I going to stand on that stage. I'm not a teacher. Uh, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not an elder. I don't, I don't plan to be, so, you know, I'm off the hook, okay? Nope. He just addressed it, okay? Go back to verse 8 that I mentioned that, that Dale talked about last week where Paul says that when God ascended on high that he gave gifts to men. The moment that you became a Christian, what happened to you? The Holy Spirit was given to you. The Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, you are equipped to do the work of the ministry. And I, I've got it highlighted. I've got big, big letters here. Do we understand what's being said right here? We talk about the Holy Spirit all the time and throw it around like it's nothing, but God said that the Holy Spirit, of His Holy Spirit lives inside of you. It's actually living inside of you. And so when He calls us to use our gifts and to go and do something for Him, why do we hesitate when we know that the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us, okay? I'm guilty of it when He speaks to me and tells me to do something of hesitating and questioning and asking Him, Are you sure about this? But He told me that His Holy Spirit is there. Paul, earlier in, in Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 10, okay, tells us that we're all God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, comma, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Did you hear that? You're God's workmanship. It's not like you just in heaven just whimsically throwing people out. God is, you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus and before you were born, before you were born, he set out things for you to do, for you to walk in. And so there should be confidence when he's calling us to do something, to just step out and do it. Amen? Man, so many times I just say, what are you doing, God? You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand what the position I'm in. Before the beginning of time, before I was formed in my mother's womb, as he talked about this morning, he set things out for me to walk in and for me to do so let's just get about doing them we're his workmanship so let's use our gifts to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word Paul I mean James talks about that how we deceive ourselves we hear it and then we just don't do anything in other words let's stop flapping our gums amen let's just stop flapping our gums and talking about it and actually get busy doing what needs to be done and using our gifts that God's given us, okay? And so you're saying, well, great, Alan. You say I'm not off the hook. You say that there's a category for everybody and everybody has a gift. Well, you know, what are they? Anybody thinking that? Okay. 
the Bible in several different places talks about gifts and gives us a, a, a list of them, but kind of just practically, okay, are you hospitable? Are you, are you a merciful person? Okay, are you good at, good at showing mercy? Are you, are you a compassionate person? All, all gifts, all gifts that you can use to further the kingdom. Are you a, are you a giver of your, of your time, of your money? Are you an encourager? Okay, all gifts. Okay, hey, can you, can you rock a baby or wrangle a three-year-old? Okay, can you do either one of those? Some of you can. Some of you are, are very good at it. Um, can you visit a, a homebound person? Can you cut somebody's grass? Can you make a meal for someone? Okay, all gifts, all gifts that can be put to use to build up the body of Christ. And so, but a quick example. I remember we the one of the last trips that we went on to Swaziland. Forgive me, I'm I'm a cotton mouth is what I always call it growing up. Y'all call it that when you couldn't talk. I remember a trip to Swaziland, and I don't know if, if Stephanie Hurst is in here this morning or not. Sorry, if she is. Sorry to embarrass you, Stephanie, but. Um, Stephanie came to me and she said, I want to go on the trip so bad, but I just don't know what I'm going to do. I don't have any gifts. God's never gifted me with anything and I really don't know what to do and how am I going to do that? And I just looked at Stephanie and I said, Stephanie, God has given you gifts, I promise you, and you're going to find out what they are. And I said, you're a paramedic. Okay, you're a paramedic. You have gifts. And we're going to a place where people don't get very much medical care. And Dr. Stancil's in here. I apologize to him right now on the spot. I drug him to Africa one time and, and just lined him up, and there were people for, for days, and we just kind of threw you to the wolves. So good man right here. Y'all pat him on the back, okay? Him and, and so I said, Stephanie, you'll be able to minister. You'll be able to do it. And so we get ready to go on the trip. We show up, and she's got all these suitcases. She's got an extra one, and it's like full of medical supplies and stuff that a lot of doctors around town had kind of given her to, to just help people with basic needs. So don't want to get too, too caught up here, but I'm talking about people using their gifts, okay? And so we get, we get over to Africa. We get to the, to the orphanage, uh, the, the care point there, and there's kids running around everywhere. We're doing backyard Bible clubs, and there's just one little guy, man. He is just struggling, and he's been there the whole time. I've known him for years. He's struggling to get around, and I keep seeing him kind of doing like this, and all the kids are running around, and I'm like, what's up with that? And so Stephanie comes to me, and she says, Alan, is it okay if I help this little boy? And I said, well, tell me what's going on. She said, he was circumcised at school. At school. Eight or nine years old, okay? First of all, think about the trauma of that experience emotionally for an eight or nine-year-old, and then, it, and then to have it done at school, and then physically, you know, the pain that he might be experiencing at that age. He'd been circumcised at school, and I said, well, yes, absolutely, any way that you can, that you can help him. And so... You know, she was accompanied with some other folks, and she ministered to that little boy. And I just remember seeing first day, oh, second day, third day, running around with everybody, okay? And she, and she said it was not a good situation. Had he not been treated, it could have gotten really bad, okay? And so I, I just said, hey, Stephanie, did you ever think that God would send you to the other side of the world to minister to a little boy who'd been circumcised at school? Man! She just used her gifts, God-given abilities and gifts, to minister to a little boy who might not have ever had any care given to him and could have turned into a really difficult situation. And so all of those things we mentioned are gifts, and the body of Christ gets built up. And as a result of this unity of the body, the diversity in all of these gifts being given to all of us, 
it's all leading to maturity, maturity in Christ, whether it's individually or corporately. Listen again at verses 13 and 14. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that he wants us to grow up. He just wants us to mature. And he continues with this, this body metaphor. He's contrasting you know, a, a mature man in verse 13 with a child who's tossed to and fro in, in verse 14. And, uh, and so you've got to, got to remember that while we are doing the work of the ministry, and we're, we're growing in maturity, right? A lot of times we just want to we get mad because people just stick folks in in places. And we should, we should measure that some, maybe not put people right into something that they're not totally mature for. But you've got to figure this thing out, okay? And you do it by actually working and you're growing in maturity as you're working in the ministry. And it involves, as he says here, Christ-likeness. It says a, it's a stature measured by Christ's fullness. So what is the goal here? The goal is for us to look like Jesus, right? The goal is for each one of us to be Jesus as we're doing these works. And so I, I never forget talking with Dustin Patterson. I actually got his permission to do this. Huh? Dustin's in here somewhere. There he, there he is in the back. Okay. So some of you have met Dustin. Dustin's a, 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 new, a fairly new Christian of over a year now okay, of, of being a believer. Okay. And so after he became a believer, he's always asking me these insightful questions and sending me these things. And what do you think about this? And what, is, what does God mean here? And, and he's just, you can just tell the guy's eager. Okay to know God and to mature, to mature in his faith. And so, you know, just so eager. And so being the, being the you know, the, the elderly duty, I'm going to do my elderly duty. And so I send him all these links. Hey, go read this and check out this devotional. And this guy's such a good expositor of the word. You need to re read what he says. And oh, then here's this book, man, this book right here. I've read it. Some of the other friends have read it. You need to make sure you really dive deep into this one and read this or whatever. And so I send all that to him and, um, you know, a week or so, two weeks later, I, I run into Dustin. And I say, I say, hey, man, how's it going with all the, all the material and the reading and everything that I sent you? What you how's, that, how's that going? How you doing everything? If you, if you know Dustin, it's a big old teddy bear. I just want to go back and hug you right now, okay? <laughs> Here's his answer to me. No, man. i just been reading the Gospels. You know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Where they talk about Jesus and his life. And I just said, man, forget everything I ever said. Okay? <laughs> Throw all those books in the trash can. Delete every single link. What you're telling me is you've just been reading about who Jesus is, right? He said, yeah. I've just been reading the Bible. I've been reading the Gospels. Where it talks about this guy named Jesus. And figuring out who he is. And trying to be like him. That's what it's saying here in, in the Christ-likeness Christ and a stature that's measured by Christ's fullness. And we will just need to be like him. But eventually, eventually our maturity does involve being doctrinally sound and being able to respond to people, especially this world that we're in and, and situations as we saw this morning. So Paul, Paul says that we need to grow in our knowledge of the truth and of God's Son. And not just intellectually. Who needs a bunch of intellectual people who just know a bunch of stuff? Okay? I need to see it acted out in your life. So not just intellectually, but also in your heart. Because 
If we don't, then look at verse 14. It says we're going to be like little children who are, who are easily influenced and are tossed to and fro by the ways of the carried away by every bit of doctrine that, and wind that blows every other direction and cunning people and craftiness and the flashy guys on stage who are saying stuff that sounds really cool, but it's not. It's not doctrally sound. And if we're not careful, there's false teachers everywhere, okay? Everywhere. If we're not careful, we're not sound in what we understand and what we believe and what, who we know God to actually be, then they can easily prey on our immaturity, saying things like, like all roads lead to heaven. They don't, okay? That, that love wins. You stop to think about that statement, and you think, well, it does. But not just in a broad, general sense. There's one way to God. His name is Jesus, okay? Love wins. If you're good enough, good people go to heaven. You just need to have enough faith, Alan. Man, have you heard that one? Okay? Things are going wrong in your life. You just don't have enough faith. You haven't prayed enough. Um, if you just give enough money, God's going to bless you. Um, you can live your best life now. Now, your best life's not now. I'm just here to tell you. Your best life's in eternity, spending every day with God in his presence, worshiping and praising him and just being with the Lord and so on and so on. And there's so many other, you can, you can pull up quotes on the internet all day long of people who are so popular, who droves of people are following, who are just presenting a false gospel. It's not the word of God. And so how do we combat these wolves? Wolves in sheep, sheep's clothing. How, do we, how are we disciple makers unless we are actually mature in our faith? It means we need to be in a body of believers, Okay. You need to be in smaller groups of people. You need to have individual people that you're accountable to who can actually challenge you on this. And this maturity that we're talking about, it involves speaking the truth in love. Okay, Verses 15 and 16 talk about that. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I'm sorry. Look at this book. You know what this book is? Everybody's got, all of us got one. This book is the good news. Amen? This book is the good news, and the news that's in it is that God sent his son, Jesus, to make a way for you and I to spend eternity with God, to cover over every sin that we're ever going to commit. That is the good news that's in this book, okay? And I, I, I never remember, I always remember this. There, there was a, a couple at our church here many years ago on staff, Dan and Stephanie Fisher, some of you guys probably remember them. And occasionally we would have these, uh, what we called, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, the sectional couch sections where we would call them. They had this long, big sectional couch. We call them and say, we, we, need, we got to get on the couch. Meaning we need to come over, okay? Everybody's kids are done here in the bed or going their own way. And we we got we to talk. Or they would call us and say, you got to come and talk. And I remember talking about the good news. And I remember Stephanie saying, the gospel is supposed to be good news. And so many times... We just get it wrong as Christians, and we don't present it that way, and we want to go to people, and we want to say, hey, if you clean up first, and you'll do this, this, and this, then you come on over here and join our club and hang out with us, okay? Or 
We want to take our Bibles and just beat people over the head. We want to take certain sins and we want to just want to camp out there as though the whole Bible is written about that particular sin that that person is committing when it's just not. Okay? And so, so speaking the truth in love would be that we, we probably don't even start by talking to someone about pointing out what their sin is, that we probably just start with who Jesus is. What do you think? There, he's sitting back there, Dustin. There he is. Who is Jesus? When he figured out who he was, you know what he said to me? I got no other objections. I don't know how else to object because of who this guy is and who he says he is. And so instead of beating people to death with it, we've got to present the truth. Yes, there are times where we need to tell people the truth and we need it to be told to us. Boy, I've had that happen in my life where somebody has looked at me and said, you are wrong. And here's what it's called, sin. And you're being disobedient. And so we've got to, we've got to start with Jesus and we always have to speak the truth in love. Stephanie's husband, Dan, he's got, he had this unbelievable ability. You could sit down with him. You could talk to him about something. You go to him with an issue or he could come to you with an issue and you get finished. You leave the meeting and you get in the car and you go, I think that guy just punched me in the face. But man, he sure loves me. Man, he loves me. Man, do I love him. That's a gift, okay? That's called, he spoke the truth to me and, and maybe many of you in love and I left the meeting going, man, that guy loves me. And he spoke some truths into my life about some sin in my life and it, it, he loves me. And so you, we've got we've to do it that way. And so speak the truth in love and then finally, okay, finally, this maturity that we're talking about in Christ means that you must contribute. We cannot, we cannot sit on the sidelines. Look, I need you to do your part. I need you and you need me. We may not realize it, but I need you to do your part. Have you ever considered that when you don't use your gifts properly that other believers suffer? Have you ever stopped and thought about it that way? When we don't use the gifts that God has given us, other believers are, are, are suffering. Look at, look at verse 16 again. It says that the whole body is joined and held together. We're joined and held together by every joint. And that when each part is working properly, the whole body grows up and is built up. And so it should just be a sobering thought to, for us as Christians that our, in, our inaction or 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 let's just call it what it is, the, the sin of omission can negatively affect the whole body of Christ or other believers when we when are that inaction. Because you can commit sins, but then you can also have the sin of omission where you don't act and you don't use the gifts that, that God has given you. And so, but but oh, but when we do act and we do use those gifts, it can be so glorious. And it's where we get to see God. It's where we get to see God working. As, as many of you know, and I'll end with this, as many of you know, our youngest son, um, Maddox, has a condition that's called tuberous sclerosis complex disorder. So I always have to stop and kind of, kind of think about it. It's called TSC. Um, Linda wouldn't mind me sharing this, but Linda's grandson has it. So you've probably talked with Linda about some 
some of the struggles there. And so it's a genetic disorder that's kind of characterized by the growth of kind of numerous benign, non, non-cancerous benign uh, tumors that are there in many parts of the body. They show up in several different parts of the body. And Maddox's tumors are actually primarily in his brain um, and his heart, his kidneys. And as a result of that, he is developmentally delayed, okay, and, and can have some, some seizures. And so and to make things tougher for him, when he was adopted from China at two and a half years old, he was already speaking Cantonese, and he could understand Mandarin. And so what we say to him is, hey, hey, little guy, forget all that with all your struggles and forget all your culture. Forget how to speak that way. I want you to speak English. And on top of that, you need to learn how to speak Northeast Alabama English, okay? (laughs) Which is even more difficult. So what does Maddox's story have to do with spiritual gifts? So many of you have used your gifts to love my son. You just have. He loves to come to church. He just does. He loves coming to church. We're going through these little books, and he, he doesn't last long in large crowds at times because of his condition. I don't want to get all into that, but he, and he can't function yet in a normal setting in a classroom with kids who are his age. And so what does our church do but create a sensory room for kids with difficulties? Did you know that? There's a room over here. Thank you, John Blanton. You're not here this morning? I, I just want to give you a big kiss. And I would. There's a room down here, a sensory room for kids who have those kind of difficulties. And they can either go there the whole time or they can go there when they need to. And there's people in there who, who love them. There's people in there using the gifts that God has given them. Who are talented and gifted at, at working with, with children like this. So thank, thank you, Kim. Kim and Alex Johnson, Scott Johnson, Jasmine Bodette, Crystal McGinnis, Lisa Cotton, Rhonda Hill, Kelly and Joe Morris. If, I'm, if I left somebody out, I'm sorry. Thank you. So many of you. I, I can name so many of you. I can, I can point you out right now. You just loved, just loved my son using, using the gifts that God has given you. And because of you guys doing that, My son is able to come to church and stay the whole time. And hear the name of Jesus. And hear somebody talk about him other than just hearing me talk about him or his mother. Because of you guys, my wife has has been able to come to church regularly. For two years, she didn't even come to this place. But you used your gifts that God gave you. And as a result, I am blessed. He got to come to VBS this year. And we're leaving at the second night. And I have finally got that joker wrangled into the parking lot. Okay? Foot on the pavement. We're almost to the car. And the preacher (laughs) yells out, hey, Maddox. And he turns around and he sees him and he runs. Before I get my hands on him, he runs. And so a little bit I'm mad, a little bit going, was almost there. I was almost home free. He runs to Cody and he gives him a big hug, which is not something that he does. 
because of his condition. And he gives him a big hug. And he, and he holds on to his, to his leg. And, and the pastor pulls him in close and puts his head on his hand and presses in and, and holds him and loves and just loves him. And you don't understand. He made a connection with who Cody was because we talk about it at home and we, read, we look at these little books about what is the church and who are they and who are elders, who are pastors, who are digging. Cody is the guy who stands on the stage and talks about God, speaks his word. He made the connection and my pastor loved him. And you guys have done that. And we have to use our gifts. We could go around the room and you could all just tell stories of how People have been gifted and they've done things and they've blessed you. And so when we see the gifts of God at work, we should stop and worship God. We should worship Jesus because he's the one, as I said earlier, as he ascended, has given us all these gifts. And when somebody blesses you with him, we've got to stop and realize it's a blessing from God, from Jesus. Amen. Let's go use them. Let's pray. Thank you for watching or listening to one of our sermons. We would love to have the opportunity to connect with you one-on-one. We are not a perfect church, but we are a joyful church, and we want to help you increase your joy in Christ. We would love for you to come and worship with us one day soon. You'll be able to find information about our worship services, about who we are, what we believe, what we do, what we're hoping to accomplish on our website at ironcity.org. And we would invite you to go and to check out all the information there. We look forward to seeing you soon.